0: State of the division for the NL East on August 30th. This is Ryan Fickelstein, manager editor at Just Baseball. i got Aram Layton, one of our co-founders here. And every week we've been talking about this division that is looking more and more like the best division in baseball, the Braves and the Mets, in the thick of a really good race, the Phillies playing good ball, three playoff teams, it appears like, out of this division. And we want to talk about what that could look like today. So Aram, how familiar are you with the new playoff format?
1: (laughs) <laughs> hey, that's not fair. Um, yeah, not as familiar as I should be as a guy that works in baseball. But but man, I uh, I'm excited to to see more teams in the fold. And uh, you mentioned, I know that you mentioned it on Locked On Mets, and we're gonna get into it uh, in this episode about how the NL East. Uh, you really wanted to, you you want to avoid the Dodgers, right? You want to dodge the Dodgers, and we're gonna have a showdown here over the last month or so where we're going to have the Mets and the Braves doing everything they can to avoid what is one of baseball's best teams we've seen in a long time. Not only baseball's best team period at 89 and 38, the Dodgers are it's almost impossible to poke a a flaw in that team from top to bottom.
0: They beat the Marlins last night, right? I did. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Surprisingly. Uh, Surprisingly. So over their last 52, I believe that makes them 42 and 10 the the Dodgers insane and so how this works out when it comes to the playoffs top two seeds get a buy so that's the obvious edge for the reason why the Mets of the braves want to win they want to avoid that wild card round but where it gets even more interesting is because those two teams get the buys they're on the opposite sides of the nl bracket so you avoid the dodgers until the championship round in some respects the dodgers kind of get the short end of the stick because their path to the world series most likely will have to go through both the braves and the Mets. the question yeah. is which one's in the DS, which one's in the championship round. Here's how this really can impact you, just from the Mets' perspective, because obviously I did my show on it. You look at if the Mets had to play a wild-card series, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer start those first two games. Let's say you win it. Either you win it and you avoid having to pitch Chris Bassett or you have to pitch Chris Bassett to get out of that round. Then suddenly your game one starter is either Chris Bassett or Taiwan Walker or Carlos Carrasco against the Dodgers. DeGrom, based on rest and the days off, could still start a game two, but you will not be able to pitch DeGrom and Scherzer twice in that series unless they're going on short rest and more likely pitching out of the bullpen. Whereas if you get the time off, you can go into that series uh, against what would instead be maybe the Cardinals, and you got Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer with DeGrom being able to pitch a game five. That's massive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of interesting on the Dodgers side. I know it's, it's stayed the division NL East, but you mentioned how hard it is for them uh, just getting the short end of the stick because of how good the NL East is. And we talk about, you know, what division is the best. The AL East is probably the most balanced, but in terms of the two best teams, I don't think there's you know, any division with a, a top heavy, you know, one two punch like the Mets and the Braves. If, The Dodgers get the Mets, let's say. Let's say the Mets give up the division somehow. That's a five-game set that you don't want, no matter how good your team is. and The Dodgers are obviously very good. You don't want to run into the Mets in a five-game set in the division series. I mean, you could easily go down two-zip with the guys you mentioned on the bump, and all of a sudden, you know, you're fighting for your life, and it's kind of similar to not quite as dramatic, which is why I like the new structure of, you know, not having to worry about a one-game playoff, but it's kind of similar with this showdown. We compared it last week to, you know, the Dodgers and the Giants trying to avoid the one-game playoff. Now the Braves and the Mets are doing everything they can to avoid you know, just even having to take on the, the Dodgers that early in any capacity. And I think it's kind of similar. Uh, but I would much rather face the Braves in a five game set uh, than the Mets because just the one two punch at the top of your rotation, if you're the Mets, can really put a team in a deficit right away.
0: Yeah. And if you're the Dodgers and, and you face a Braves team that just had to go through a Phillies in a wild card round, you know, you're not going to see Max Fried until game two. Um, and that could obviously help them. And I think it's just, it, it's so much easier. I know we can talk about like the, the rust factor. I know that's why they've kind of condensed the schedule of this wild card round to try and make it go by as quickly as possible with no travel. But the buy is so much more valuable than any rush you could possibly get missing three days of baseball. And to be able to, to not only line up your rotation, but face the Cardinals or the Padres, as opposed to going up against the Dodgers after you have to play the Phillies, that's a massive edge. And that's the other thing uh, based on the way the seeding works out. Another aspect of this, it's the, the three seed will be the Cardinals, assuming they hold on to the division. Then the four seeds going to be the Mets or the Braves. At this point, the Phillies are the five seed, So you're staring down a playoff matchup against a division rival, even though the Mets have handled the Phillies this year. I think the last thing you want is a team that you're you're that familiar with in a three game set when they have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola to line up
1: with. The Phillies can be dangerous in that wild card round. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it seems like a lot of the Mets guys have have pretty good numbers overall. You could probably speak better to this than I do or than I can, but it seems like the Mets hitters are are pretty solid against Wheeler and Nola in their career, right? I feel like every I, I time say, I
0: yeah, so this this year the Mets are nine and zero. And games started by Wheeler and Nola, which is wow. just a, a crazy, uh, you know, it shows why they've dominated this matchup all year. Uh, but I, I will say from watching those games, I mean, it has been a, a consistent approach from the lineup to grind down those pitchers. It's not like they're getting solid contact off them, it's more they're stringing together hits and getting a big hit. Uh, but it, it's not like I, I would say they have some huge edge where they're going in and and facing Zach will in a playoff
1: series and feeling comfortable in the box. Uh, And it's funny because I'm looking at like, who would you want to face there outside of the the division winners in the NL? It's really not close. I would say to the brewers compared to the Phillies. I mean, I know that the Brewers have Corbin Burns, and they. But even Burns looked vulnerable in his last start. Woodruff has looked vulnerable at points this year. The the offense is not you know very good, and they subtracted Hayter, who has been a disaster elsewhere. But at the end of the day, they subtracted Hater, whether he was struggling for them or struggling for someone else. That was one of the game's best closers, if not the game's best closer. Now, not doing that for you, uh, the bullpen's still solid. But I really look at the Phillies, and if if we're looking at any other you know, non-division winning team. Uh, they're far and away besides the Braves, obviously far and away. I think the scariest team, is there any division leader in the national league that, that I guess of the other two that that you're afraid of uh, more than the Phillies? It's interesting because I, I was just trying to think about it right now. Like Phillies
0: Cardinals is an interesting conversation. Which team do you think is better? I, I would probably give the edge edge to the Cardinals. Just based on the strength of that MVP duo, but you just got Bryce Harper back in that Phillies lineup. I, I think that the separation isn't that great there, and it it almost begs the question: like in the National League, outside of the Dodgers, do the does the NL East have the the next top three teams? Is it is it Dodgers, Mets, Braves, Phillies? Are they better than the Cardinals? It, it could be the case here, and that's why we were saying at the top of the
1: show this might be the best division in baseball. What's funny is that they're kind of like opposites to a degree, the the Cardinals and the Phillies, because Phillies, I mean, they've made improvements with the defense, but they're not a great defensive team. Yeah. Cardinals, phenomenal defensive team. Uh, You also look at the bullpen situation. I know the Phillies have been better this year. Bullpen, not great. Starting rotation, Cardinals have pieced it together. I don't have a lot of faith in it phillies rotation at the top is is built for the postseason at least the one two punch and i think they've had enough contribution that you can feel okay enough about a third guy stepping up they've had a few different guys look pretty solid in spurts this year it's a really interesting matchup obviously the star power i think kind of you know takes the the cardinals over the top this year even though the phillies do have the the reigning mvp i think the the duo of Goldschmidt and Arenado is is pretty tough to beat. And all the complimentary pieces have, have been great. And then the magic of Albert Pujols. But I think you can make a case in a five-game series that the Phillies could be just as tough of a matchup, especially if the guys that have stepped up down the stretch here for them continue to hit the way they have, which is, you know, Bryson Stotzman phenomenal. Castellanos looks like Nick Castellanos again. Uh, now they just got Brandon Marsh off the IL. That's a nice addition to add to their lineup. And Gene Segura, healthy as well. Uh, and the rest of the guys have been hitting well, as uh, also including Real Muto. So it's not. I think they're a sleeping giant. And the, I the more I watch the Phillies, the more I can start to understand maybe a way, a scenario where they could make some noise in the postseason. Most likely, they get bounced. But I think there's more and more of a chance as I continue to watch this team play that they could make a wave. Uh, Bryce Harper will have to lead the way, but I think he's given us plenty of reason to believe that he can do that.
0: I think so too. And I, I don't necessarily think the Phillies have a legitimate shot at winning a World Series this year, but uh, could we see them win the wild card round and then upset the Mets or the Braves in that division round? Absolutely. I think at some point, you know, clock would strike midnight on that Cinderella story and in the championship round. I just can't possibly see the Phillies after going through the gauntlet of a wild card and a division round beating a Dodgers. And I mean, that just seems like a pretty far fetched outcome. But that would be a remarkable season for them. And, you know, we were talking about the return of Bryce Harper, which is obviously the biggest story with the Phillies right now. I was doing the breakdown of their record, 39 and 35 with Bryce Harper at the beginning of the season. Since then, there are 33 and 22, 11 games over 500, two months without Bryce Harper. And if you listen to a State of the Division podcast two months ago,
1: we were saying, are Have they the going to be point. able to
0: survive, right? Yeah.
1: And yeah. they thrived. They thrived because, you know, I think it kind of lit a fire under a lot of their guys. It made them realize, hey, you know, if, if Hoskins doesn't step it up, if Real Muto specifically does not step it up, Schwarber as well, uh, if those guys don't get going, season's going to get away from them. I We saw how Harper really saved their season last year. I know they came up short, but his MVP second half is what kept them alive and playing meaningful games down the stretch. Otherwise, their season was cooked. They looked like they had no chance uh, You know, when we got towards the, the the beginning of the second half. So it's kind of a role reversal this time around. And it's not because of the fact that Harper's out of the lineup. Like It's not one of those weird things. Uh, it was more of, I think, everybody else stepped up. And now this team has momentum and he's joining in at the perfect time uh, to really kind of keep this thing rolling for them. And I mean, Harper was a 3F war player in 68 games this season, basically exclusively DHing. Uh, so what he's going to bring to them is extremely exciting. And, and I think just makes them that much scarier. Uh, this team top to bottom in the lineup is, is pretty darn good. And the fact that they were able to win ballgames without him, I think is a testament to you know, the the talent kind of stepping up across the board and it's not a well-constructed team in terms of traditional uh thinking but they made the moves as we've talked about to kind of hedge that you know giving stott more opportunity good defender getting Brandon Marsh, great defender, getting Imando Sosa who can fill in in certain spots, great defender. Uh so they've hedged their weakness a bit and we're going to talk about some September call-ups and and guys that could kind of come in and you know make an impact. Derek Hall is currently in AAA but you know was up at the, with the big league team and made an impact Had 9 home runs in 38 games and hit 264 with a 131 wrc plus. As rosters expand, that's another guy that could potentially be added to your bench here and just another thumper uh, that the Phillies can mix and match with their lineup.
0: Yeah, I, this lineup is, is so deep now with, with Harper getting back into it. I was also curious, you know, I think that it would be tough for him to, to come back into the lineup if they're missing two months of games. He's got to hit in each of his first four games, hitting 357 since coming off the IL, 5-14. Uh, Bryce Harper going to be just fine, and, and this lineup— got that much longer. And and honestly, coming down the stretch here, uh, the most interesting thing to me when it comes to this division is there's going to be a span here in September uh, where the Braves and the Phillies are going to play seven games in a span or seven out of 10 games against each other. That could decide playoff seeding for the Phillies. I think they're going to make the playoffs no matter what, but that could potentially push them out of that, that five seed. Um, and for the Braves, that's really kind of the moment of truth for them if they're gonna come back
1: here and take this division from the Mets. I'm I'm excited for you know kind of the the matchups down the stretch against divisional teams, and also we talked about how you got to clean up against uh, the 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 bottom of the barrel teams. Can you beat the Marlins and the Nationals the way you're supposed to? And uh, the the Marlins can play spoiler here with with the pitching that they have, and you know, we saw them you know put up some, some good outings, took two out of three in Oakland. Obviously, that's not the, the toughest matchup. They stole one game from the Dodgers, but the Marlins pitching can can catch you any day. So if you kind of waltz into Miami or you know welcome Miami in a series and then you get Sandy, you get Edward, you get Lizardo, you get Pablo, you can get punched in the mouth pretty quickly and all of a sudden lose a couple 2-0, 2-1 games. Um, and that's where it's going to be interesting to see how these teams kind of handle some of the uh, lower tier teams that still have you know no, no fear, uh, nothing to really play for. And sometimes a team playing free uh, is the scariest thing when you're trying to make the playoffs.
0: Last September, I uh, gambled my goatee for my podcast. I said the Mets are about to start a 10-game span with it. It was a four-game set against the Marlins and then maybe the Nationals, some bad teams. I said the Mets will win 7 out of 10. They came into Miami and lost 3 or 4. Um <laughs> I'm so nervous about playing uh, the Marlins in Miami that I am fleeing town when the Mets come here that weekend, uh, <laughs> September 9th. I'm going to Tampa. So I'm not going to see any of those games because I I don't want to live with that, that anxiety in my life. The Marlins are a terrifying September matchup dating back to 2007.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yep. They love playing spoiler. I was talking about that one with, with, uh, with Jeff Conan on outside the box uh, about that 2007 season where he was on the Mets um, (laughs) and, and kind of going into that final series against the Marlins and, and the Marlins playing spoiler in that one, obviously the Mets don't have to worry about that this time around, but for the, Seeding implications. The Marlins are in a spot where you know things don't really matter. Even the Nationals are in a spot where things really don't matter. Uh, they're calling up some more young guys. The Marlins are pretty much playing all the youngins. They DFA'd Jesus Aguilar, uh, which is pretty crazy given that he was you know their best hitter in a lot of offensive statistics since Jazz has been out, but. It makes sense when you're focused on getting a B's to your young guys, when you're playing for nothing, they'll probably call up another guy. I think it'll be Jordan Groshans recently acquired from the blue Jays has been fantastic since coming over to the Marlins, uh, hitting in the high three hundreds, hitting for more extra base hits. I think than he had the whole season in, in Toronto. Uh, so there's, there's some excitement there. They're going to continue to call up some young guys. The nationals may bring up somebody like Jake Aloo, uh, who is an outfielder that'll, you know, be playing with a little bit of a fire under him and, and get an opportunity at the big league level. Those teams are a little bit scary. What's interesting is we're going to see call-ups across the entire game with September expanding the rosters. And, you know, we'll see some impact prospects even for some contenders. But it seems like the Mets, the Braves and the Phillies, I mentioned Derek Hall for the Phillies, but he's already been up. The Braves have already had kind of their revolving door. They've brought up their youngsters that are already Making that impact, they've had the revolving door of AAA starters that have come up, made spot starts, and got sent back down. Uh, you know, you've seen probably four four different guys do that. And the Mets, you know, they brought up Beatty already. I think that was kind of the big aggressive move. I, I don't see them making any other you know crazy move. It's funny. I think those NL teams at the top might be some of the few that aren't really making any big call ups uh, as September rosters expand.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I could speak to the Mets more than any other team, and outside of getting some type of a pinch running defensive type center fielder up, you know, they got Travis Jankowski, I believe back in the minor leagues, not in the 40, but they can certainly add him. They have Terrence Gore, uh, obviously playoff hero. So uh, we'll see if they add one of those types of guys, but really I think these teams are kind of set with what they've been rolling out. Now that Bryce Harper's back in the mix, I think we can look at the top three teams and say, all right, this is what they're going to be. And now you got, uh, you know, the best, a thing we could watch in baseball, a division rage down the stretch here. Let's uh, see who, who slots in where, and then we get to October baseball. So a ton of exciting things to cover over our final couple weeks of the season. Make sure you're checking out the State of the Division podcast every week. We got you covered with each division. Tuesdays, we're looking at the East. Uh, Wednesdays, the Central Divisions, and Thursdays, the West Divisions. Make sure you're following our YouTube channel, our podcast feed, checking all the articles we got going at JustBaseball.com, covering everything in Major League Baseball.